0: When personal agendas become more important than the team and the overarching mission success, performance suffers and failure ensues. Jacko Willink. Welcome to another episode of Thelonious Pundits. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> I am Kentad Spindsgard. Along with me, as always, please say hello to the wonderful Mr. AJ Mass. I
1: was not expecting a serenade to kick off this episode. Wow, what what good spirits this episode finds Kentad in, and I'm here
0: for it. <laughs> oh yes, I am uh, ready to go. I am happy to be here with you yet again, fellow felonious pundit. Meister. Uh, (laughs) Folks, this is a podcast about the television program Criminal Minds. We recap and take an in-depth look each week at an episode of the show. I haven't seen this show before. That's the perspective I'm going to give you folks. Meanwhile, AJ has seen each and every episode multiple times. So that's the perspective he's going to give it. And we'll uh, discuss the show and have some fun and... And you just might
1: learn something along the way. Get there Uh,
0: This week, we are going to be looking at Season 3, Episode 2 of Criminal Minds, entitled In Name and Blood. This episode was directed by Edward Allen Brunero and written by Chris Mundy. It originally aired on October 3rd, 2007. Let's start, AJ, shall we? Yes, let us shall. Happy
1: to give you my repeat offender point of view of this episode. In name and blood, in birth and death.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So we start off this week, uh, first, very quickly with a a previously on, just to remind us that our our boy Frank butchered Sarah. Uh, Gideon has gone off the deep end. Strauss suspended Hotch. And Gideon has written what sounds like a suicide note to someone. And he has a gun in hand.
1: He has a gun in hand. And I got to say, when you have a gun in hand and then you do fade up to white. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like the fade up to white. That's I don't like it. That's that's your, that's your six cent spoiler there. Fade up to white. is never good. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: I think uh, A Master of the Fade to White was the show Six Feet Under. You ever watch that show? I think. Well, of course, my pre Dexter Dexter. Oh, uh, yes. Anywho, we open on what I would call a classic Criminal Minds fake out. <laughs> yes. We have blurry red lighting, romantic pop ballad is playing in the background, and we see what appear to be two lovers so happy together. A man gently caressing a woman, tenderly opening her blouse. But then all of a sudden the lighting comes up and the picture starts to come into focus. And then you realize that this couple isn't lying down horizontally as the camera twists around. And we realize that the tender moment we thought is not so tender. In fact, a woman is crying And she is tied up to a support beam in a garage or basement. And the man is actually being creepy, molestery, and and unsubby. And as our music continues playing, we start to transition over to the BAU office where JJ is waking up Reed, who has fallen asleep.
1: Yeah, a nice little... uh... Warning that uh, if, if you're listening to Bon Jovi, it's probably not sexy time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, you may have thought it was a bed of roses, but in fact, it was a bed of nails. <laughs> mm-hmm. New Jersey's finest, besides A.J. Masp. Uh, Oh, please, please do not appellate me with the New Jersey. (laughs) I live here. I am a New Yorker.
0: I know. (laughs) I know. So anyway, apparently uh, Reed was in the office all night and fell asleep while waiting for Gideon, who he was supposed to play chess with. Uh, He did call him a few times, but got no answer. JJ lets him know that she's got to brief the team on a case. And Reed asks, well, okay, is Hotch here? And she says, well, he's due to be there in a half hour. So let's cut over to the Hotchner home, shall we? And uh, it's good to see Haley and little Jack, whose name I did not know for so long. This is true. But they are there. Haley does seem a little bit concerned with Hotch. She's wondering if he's okay. you know, with everything going on in his life. She tells him that he's doing the right thing. He agrees with her. And she says, you know what? This suspension you got was actually a blessing in disguise. We deserve a normal life.
1: Indeed, they do. And Jack is just the cutest kid of all time.
0: Yes. We cut back to the office and Morgan is joining JJ and Reed. And he's like, uh, well, what's up? We got no hot share, We got no giddy in here. They've been out for two weeks. The least they could do is show up on time. And Reed is like, yeah, because you're never late, which I thought was, thought was a nice little dig.
1: It was a nice little dig. I only I only wish Morgan would have uh, come
0: back with, yeah, but I don't sleep here. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It is easy to be on time when you spend the night in the office. Uh, oh. Morgan does ask, well, where's Prentice? And she's out of contact. So Morgan says... The room just keeps getting smaller and smaller, and I don't want to argue semantics with him. (laughs) It is not actually the room getting smaller, Morgan, but okay, Uh, I get what you mean. In fact, by your perspective, it's actually getting bigger. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So then JJ is like, you know what? We got to get started. We'll just brief all the stragglers uh, when we're on the plane. Apparently, the police task force in Milwaukee needs help. They've had four women murdered in the past three weeks and another woman has been missing for two days. All the women were married mothers in their thirties. There's no other connections between them. Uh, They all went missing in the same area and all were in very public places when they went missing. And as JJ is saying this, we have cut to our unsub and he's drawing a red circle with a marker on a woman's chest and, uh, then we hear them talking. They know it's the same killer because all the bodies were dumped in the city's third ward. And, oh, yeah, by the way, all of them have had their hearts cut out from their bodies. So there's that. Just a minor little detail. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so so good that we're that we are watching this episode on Valentine's week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> cut to our current victim. And she's screaming as the unsub comes over to her with a chisel and hammer. And he starts to go about his grisly business. We go to credits. We are back with Hotch. He's in an elevator and he gives us our opening quote while he's waiting to get to his floor in voiceover. He doesn't say it directly to the camera, <laughs> which would be kind of awesome. But <laughs> that
1: would definitely be breaking the format of the show.
0: <laughs> but he says. Uh, George Washington said, Let your heart feel for the affliction and distress of everyone. Kind of funny, <laughs> considering what's happening to our victims. <laughs> but okay. Hotch gets off the elevator in uh, the BAU office, and Morgan happens to be there. He's uh, real glad to see Hotch, lets him know that they've got a bad case in Milwaukee, and they can talk on the plane. But Hotch tells Morgan, "Uh, sorry, bro, I'm putting in for a transfer. And Morgan is in disbelief. But Hotch sees the writing on the wall from his suspension. He says, don't worry, you know, you'll get a new unit chief. Morgan doesn't want a new unit chief. He doesn't want a new pain in the ass. He wants to keep the same pain in the ass he's been working with, basically. (laughs) We ain't lovers, we ain't fighters, we ain't friends. (laughs) (laughs) Hotch basically shakes his hand. And tells him it's been a true privilege. And then he walks off. We cut next to Strauss. Every time we cut to Strauss, I want the the Empire March, that theme to start <laughs> playing. Because that's how I'm starting to feel about her. Yes, we cut to Strauss. She's telling Hotch, oh, he's doing the right thing. And by the way, has he thought about what department he's going to request? And Hotch is like... Uh, yeah, I was told if I left VAU, it would be my choice. But apparently Strauss feels that she's got to finish off her investigation first. And then she suggests to him that based on his prosecutorial background, maybe he should join the White Collar Crimes Task Force. Uh, the good thing about that is he can be finished each day and actually spend some time with his family. At this moment, Prentiss walks in and interrupts them. She says she just wants to let Hotch know that she's resigning. Hotch is like, oh, wait, this is a mistake. She says he can't talk her out of it. Garcia already heard about it and tried to talk her out of it. And if Garcia can't do it, he definitely can't do it. And this whole time when they show Strauss, she has a little smug look on her face that just irritates the crap out of me. <laughs> uh, we hate her, right, AJ? <laughs> I mean, look, you know,
1: she's tearing this unit apart. And uh, yeah, I mean, they're they're down... Gideon, we don't know where I mean, we know that something's up with Gideon, but you know, he's not showing up. Hotch is requesting a transfer and Emily just resigned. <laughs> it's like, well, if her goal was for the BAU to go away, she's doing a very good job.
0: <laughs> Bang up job, yes. So she's been in one episode and three people are on the way out. <laughs> yes. Prentice says, you know, it's good to see Hotch back. And then she pointedly looks at Strauss while she's saying, the team needs you. Then she leaves and Strauss tells Hotch that uh, she will oversee this latest case. And Hotch is like, "Uh, you ain't got no field experience. And she makes some dumb remark about her job being to protect the Bureau. And if holding their hand is what's going to be necessary, she'll do it. They need to be out from under the control of Hotch and evil Agent Gideon. <laughs> just wow, lady.
1: Yeah, the one thing I will note at the scene is that Hotch, this whole time, is profiling, 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 and he's looking around the room, and he knows something's up with Prentice's Strauss. He's just, just like, oh, okay, I, I'm clocking what's
0: going on here. Mm hmm. <laughs>
1: Yep. I got your number, Everett Strauss.
0: (laughs) So we next cut to the jet. Morgan, JJ and Reed are sitting there separated from Strauss. They're bemoaning the situation. They're missing two agents in Gideon. And Reed starts to talk about Strauss. But of course, that's when she comes over to join them. And so he quiets down. Uh, Strauss wants the briefing. ...on what's going on, so J.J. starts... <laughs> not,
1: not, yeah, but she's so passive-aggressive about it. That's yeah. It is my understanding that on the jet it is common for us to do a briefing.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, uh, just as annoying as can be. So J.J. starts to explain the case. We hear all the same info from before. Uh, one new fact being that after ab- abducting the women, the unsub holds them for 48 hours... ...and there is no sexual assault occurring... And then he dumps their bodies, of course, without the hearts. Reed points out the interesting dichotomy between the skill it takes to abduct these women, but but then the cutting of the hearts is done very crudely. And Morgan figures, <laughs> like the genius he is, that they're probably looking at someone in a psychotic break. Uh, it could be a butcher, it could be a hunter, someone comfortable but being around blood, but doesn't necessarily have the skill of a surgeon Strauss asks if they have any working theory, and Morgan is like, sure, somebody doesn't like women. (laughs) And he throws his file down and gets up. And I'm like, yeah, Morgan, it was a great walk-off line, but uh, you need to do that in an office where you can, like, get up and leave, not in the confines of the jet. (laughs) What are you going to do? Just go sit over there? (laughs) Like, okay, but, you know, it still sounded good. (laughs) we next cut to Hotch he's in his office packing it up Garcia walks in and she already knows that she can't talk Hotch out of leaving but she does toss him over the Milwaukee file and says uh, you know another body was found this morning the team is headed there and Hotch says well he's not working it and Garcia says hey she's just following orders JJ told her to do this give him the file so she's giving him the file she leaves And Hotch looks at the photo on top of the file of the crime scene, which is very handy because it gives us a chance to travel once again by Kodak, which we haven't done properly in a while.
1: We haven't done it properly, although I will say there is no way that they would have this photo yet. Yes,
0: I don't know how (laughs) they got that photo.
1: (laughs) We just discovered the body put up the crime scene. Well, here's the crime scene photo. Just the one
0: sitting at the top it's a little a little hinky but all right <laughs> fine so yes we are there at the crime scene Morgan Strauss JJ and Reed are arriving there they meet with our local detective Vic Wolinski and Reed is like oh you worked the Jeffrey Dahmer case he's like yeah 16 years ago and Reed mentions well he studied the case and Walensky is like and you remember my name And I'm like, yeah, dude, meet Dr. Spencer Reed. Uh, And I want to I want to say just right now that, uh, yay,
1: I remember you from M.O.P.D. Blue. It's Metavoy, everybody. Yes. Uh, And also I want to criticize the show for ever naming a police officer Vic. Because I wrote, oh, the cop's name is Vic. And then the next thing I do is I started talking about the victim. Yeah. And like, Vic, oh, crap. Yeah. So I've just called him
0: cop from here on out. <laughs> <laughs> or Metavoy. <laughs> yes, uh, it is definitely Metavoy. Good to see that at least in 2007, he was still getting work. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you go. Gordon Clap.
0: Yeah. So anyway, a local merchant has spotted the body a few hours ago. And based on the timing of everything, they can figure out that she was dumped there sometime between 7.50 and 8.05, which is the same time window that all the other dumpings occurred. And all the bodies were found in that local area. But all of the victims actually come from Wauwatosa, which is an upper middle class suburb, about 15 minutes from where they are. They were all abducted in the afternoon and all found in this area in the morning 48 hours later. JJ points out all the foot traffic around there and says it's interesting that no one saw anything. Wilinski, Detective Wilinski explains that they think he has a truck or van and he probably used that to back in to shield whatever he was doing as he dumped the loosely wrapped bodies. They haven't got prints on whatever the wraps, whatever he wraps the bodies in. All they found were traces of wooden paint, common items that you might find in a hardware store, but that's it. Reed says it seems like he's trying to demean these women, putting them out like trash, and Morgan points out the guy may work or live around there, and he probably gets off on the reaction to his quote-unquote handiwork. Then Strauss decides to get involved with the questioning, but she's not very helpful. <laughs> she starts to lecture Metavoy, On waiting so long to contact the FBI, this is the fifth victim. How dare you? J.J. pulls her aside immediately, saying, you know, we need to work with these detectives. And criticizing them doesn't really help them get anything accomplished. Strauss makes her point that it would have indeed been better if they had been contacted sooner. And Agent Giroux, don't be questioning me again. And AJ, we hate Strauss, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, if we were torn before, she just, she just, she just spoke to JJ. Yeah, <laughs> you don't, you don't talk to JJ. No, nobody puts JJ in a corner. Uh, yeah, it's like, <laughs> really, lady. <laughs> you should have called us sooner. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe she should. Don't you question me? I am correct. I am right. The shield is quite operative. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we cut to the Hotchner household, and Hotch is looking over the case file and the crime scene photos. Haley comes in. She sees what he's doing. She's ticked off at him. She thought all this nonsense was over. Hotch says, Yes, it is. I'm just curious. The phone starts to ring he answers but can't seem to get a connection it's like hello hello nobody's talking so he hangs it up then a cell phone starts ringing it looked odd to me it looked like it was in haley's bag did that was that haley's bag or was that hotch's going away bag and it just seemed
1: yeah it was it was the go okay. bag it was just I, I, it's just weird very very weird scene there's I get they were trying to, to show that, like, the calls will just keep coming. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, it was it was awkwardly structured.
0: Yeah, because Haley wants to know what uh, Hotch – what Strauss said, I mean. And Hotch tells her that Strauss thinks he should transfer to a white-collar crime task force. And when her Haley hears that he would have a regular nine-to-five life, she tells him that this is a no-brainer. And she stomps off in a huff and she picks up the bag. Takes it with her. That's why I thought, is that Haley's bag or is that his? I, oh, well,
1: I mean, what's he he doesn't need the go bag, he's not going anywhere. It's a very passive aggressive ultimatum, yeah.
0: (laughs) So Hotch takes two seconds before he picks up his phone and and calls Morgan to ask him how it's going. Morgan lets him know that Strauss just offended the lead detective 45 seconds into her first crime scene, (laughs) (laughs) and Hotch says he isn't surprised. Anyway, he has been studying the case, and he mentions that Milwaukee schools start at 8.10 and get out at 3.10. Every abduction so far has taken place within 15 minutes of school getting out, and everybody was dumped within 15 minutes of the first bell. They could be looking at somebody who works within the school system.
1: And that's a very good point, but, uh, I mean... Most cities
0: <laughs> would have that. So,
1: I don't know why he's targeting that or why he's clocking that. It's it's not even like he has a school-age child yet where it would be front of mind. Like, you know, hey, I just dropped Jack off at school. Like, then it would have made sense. But it's just like, yeah, every city pretty much starts early in the morning. Let's three. Around three. Yeah. So, I, I, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Hotch does ask if there's any idea how this guy is getting control of the women. Is he blitzing them or is he coercing them? Uh, so far, Morgan says they have nothing. Uh, Hotch just tells him to keep him posted. We next cut to inside of a clothing store where we see a woman shopping and a, a young boy comes up to her. He's apparently lost. He's looking for his dad. Scares the bejesus out of this woman. Yeah, he does. <laughs> And he leads her to a small secluded hallway, like one of those mall, maybe like going to the parking garage hallway type of spaces. Uh, Nobody's there. And he's saying his dad said if anything happened to him to meet him on the outside because it wouldn't be so crowded. And all of a sudden our unsub walks in saying, hey, there you are to the boy. And the woman is smiling at first. But then the boy says, I'm sorry I tricked you. My dad is just shy, and the unsub walks up to her. His back is to the boy, so he can't see the box cutter that he has out, and he tells the woman to smile and to ask to come home with him, or he's going to gut that boy like a deer. Obviously, the woman is scared and freaking out now, but she does as he asks, and they leave, and as we go to a break, I guess we've answered Hotch's question of how the unsub is getting control of the women.
1: Certainly, he's, uh, he's being a very good father. Oh, wait, no. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so now we come back to the police station, and a uniform cop lets the team and Detective Walensky know the details of the latest victim. It is Claire Thompson. Her husband couldn't reach her on the phone, so he drove over to the department store. Her car was in the parking lot, but there was no Claire there. J.J. goes to talk to the husband, and Morgan tells her to take Strauss with her. The security footage was uploaded and sent to Garcia, so Morgan calls Garcia and asks her to tell him something he wants to hear, to which she says he's a statuesque god of sculpted chocolate thunder, and he's like, tell me something I don't already know, and she's like, I have a sweet tooth. (laughs) I'm like, damn, damn, (laughs) (laughs) "Damn, Garcia, yeah.
1: (laughs) See, and I'm, I'm just of the mind here that it is now season three, and they are very comfortable with each other, these actors. and it, I don't know if all of this is in the script. I don't know if some of this <laughs> is just riffing, but it's it's just fun to watch. Yes.
0: <laughs> anyway, so Garcia has found the missing girl, and missing woman, in the security footage, footage and uh, they see the boy walking up to her, and it looks like he's lost. But that's all the tape that they got because woman and the boy turned down a hallway with no security camera and morgan's like oh wait a minute hotch mentioned all the abductions and disposals have been timed around school of course strauss perks up once she hears morgan mention hotch's name and i'm thinking maybe morgan shouldn't have mentioned he should have acted like he came up with that on one on his own
1: he he probably well you know again he doesn't morgan doesn't know everything that's going on in, in the Hotch strauss of it all but I mean, I think Strauss, as much as we don't like Strauss, as much as Strauss is pure evil, uh, she does a good job of holding her tongue. Yes. It's, it's not important. That's
0: not, she clocks
1: it, she files it away. But it's not important to confront Morgan about that right now. It's like, right. she At least she recognizes that.
0: <laughs> yes. So Morgan does ponder, what if this guy is actually using his own son to lure his victims? So next we cut to the profile scene, Morgan is leading the uh, way, he's telling the officers, you know, it's very smart what you've done, the fact that you're trying to single out trucks and vans, he's probably not driving something that would stand out, he may even have some kind of company logo on the side of the vehicle. Uh, Reed says, we know that he adopts the woman in Wauwatosa and dumps the bodies down here in the third ward. He probably lives somewhere within a triangulation of that area. Again, they mention there's no sexual component to the crimes. It's more about the unsub making a point of some kind. He's cutting their hearts out, which might just mean that this is the sickest way he knows how to disfigure women and throw them out like trash. The two important questions that they need to answer are what is this guy doing with these women for 48 hours and why is he willing to use his own son to abduct them? It's likely he has what they call a borderline personality disorder. The thing with borderlines is they think that all relationships revolve entirely around them and when they set their mind to something, it's absolute, no gray area. It would manifest itself in a way that would be visible to the people around the unsub which means that he would seem angry, depressed, have drinking problems. uh, He would be highly sensitive to rejection. This particular unsub works with his hands, is used to hard labor. He's not afraid to get his hands dirty. So he says, get his hands dirty. And we, of course, immediately cut to him taking a shower. Uh, (laughs) We do see a couple of display cases in his little torture chamber that appear to have hearts in them. Was that... What it was, it appears. Yes. Yeah. These are his trophies, his trophy hearts, absolutely. Yeah, and our, our unsub gets out of the shower, wraps a towel around himself, and walks over to our latest victim, Claire, who is tied to the support beam, like we've seen with the uh, earlier victim. He takes the gag out of her mouth. He's warning her to be quiet. He says what they're going to do is go upstairs, and she's going to be really nice to the boy. Not like the little bitch we both know you are, he says. He asks if she understands... She nods fearfully, then he yells at her to say it, and she flinches, and then she says she understands. She understands. He's we a do
1: delight. It. He's a delight this
0: unsub, uh, uh, isn't he? Oh, uh, he's the greatest. We cut to see a little boy, but it's not the little boy from before. It's Jack, and we are back at the Hotchner's. Hotch has some mac and cheese. And, and he's feeding it to Jack. Jack Mac in the heart attack. And we hear Haley answering the phone in the background. She brings in the phone to him. She says, it's Morgan. And she doesn't look like the happiest person in the world, but uh, she gives him the phone anyway. And Morgan says, look, I wouldn't be calling unless I was desperate. We still have no Gideon. We really need you out here, Hotch. Reed is starting to get worried about Gideon. Hotch says, hey, look, I've already put in my transfer. And Morgan says... Hey, it's not a done deal. I checked. It's still in the system somewhere. You are not transferred out yet. Uh, Just pitch in on this one case. We think this guy may be using his own kid to lure these women, and he's just picked up another one. Hodge tells Morgan he has to think about it, and then he hangs up.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a nice little... uh... Yeah, don't don't give me this transfer stuff. Yeah, I looked You didn't try You you didn't put it in yet. So there's still hope. Yeah, you're still thinking. You're still wavering. i It's like, no, really. Uh, I already put in for the transfer. I don't even know if at this point I don't know if he's telling the truth or not. In my mind, But yeah. I'm going like, because Haley's still in the room. Like I have already put in for the transfer. Right, right.
0: <laughs> we cut to our crazy unsub's house. Claire is in the kitchen with the unsub and his son and after our unsub nods at her she looks at the boy and she remembers she's supposed to be nice to him so she offers to help him with his multiplication homework she's really good at math and our unsub becomes not happy he says this boy has got to learn to do things himself she says of course of course you know sorry you know trying to do what you <laughs> told me before <laughs> yes yeah.
1: although i w- and i will i will say here i don't quite understand uh, how the boy's so... F- he says he's so far advanced. And I'm thinking this boy is making crap up at this point because, you know, I, we don't know the relationship between the boy and the dad, but clearly the boy knows just what triggers the dad it is, it's like oh yes i am doing extra credit homework because i am so far advanced i'm doing multiplication and they're still doing long division but you have to know multiplication in order to do long division because multiplication yes. is part of long division so that makes no sense
0: <laughs> yes you start with multiplication that is correct 100 percent. although i don't know the new math aj <laughs> maybe they do it by adding and subtracting 50 different things uh, it's it's crazy this, okay. this new math. <laughs> it, th-
1: this was still during the era of old math yes. <laughs> the only common core here is the coring of the hearts that the father Ooh. Does. Mm. <laughs> drop the mic leave
0: the jet <laughs> crap can't leave the jet back to my seat <laughs> so yeah the boy does i don't know he seems to like kind of want to take advantage of this situation, in my opinion, because he says, well, you can make me a sandwich. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I like this kid. I'm with him. Make me a sandwich, please. (laughs) Kidnapped lady. (laughs) Um, So she agrees to do this. And the unsub takes our boy to go clean up his room. And I'm like, wow, he's just going to leave her there. okay?" And she's like, wow, he's just going to leave me here. okay?" Uh, (laughs) And so as soon as he takes off, she runs around trying to find a way out. But all the doors and windows appear to be locked. We see her screaming for help. She's banging on the window. There's a postman there walking away from the house. But as we cut to outside the house, we realize no sound is coming out at all.
1: I mean, okay. Uh, I, I'm, yeah. I'm fine with, uh, in theory, I'm fine with an unsub being so savvy to, you know, the doors are locked from the inside and they need a key, perhaps, to, to open so she can't just un- unlock a door and get out. And I'm fine with maybe he soundproof the windows. But we can see that it's visible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this has got to be the most oblivious postal worker. He walks right past <laughs> yes. as a woman is slamming on the... I mean, it, that would... The scream might not come out, but the actual pounding on the glass would probably make a thudding sound or something mailman should have turned his head at least give him like uh earbuds or like you know big massive headphones like he's listening to music or something so that we can see he's not a complete doofus but she would have been seen that's all
0: i'm saying and i gotta think that the noise she was making because at this point she you know was trying to scream for help obviously that's gotta get our unsub to come back down and see what's going on because i was also thinking why don't you get something and try to break your way out, you know, uh, break the glass, try to get out, try to do something. But I, my guess is uh, the unsub probably came upon her pretty quick after that, although we don't see anything like that.
1: Yeah, it just is a lot of stuff that, that doesn't make a lot of sense there with it. I mean, uh, you know, we will we will learn. It's not like he's been unsubbing for so many <laughs> years that uh, he's he's fine-tuned his house for unsubbery. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, we cut next to Hotch's house. And he's grabbing his gun, packing his stuff. And Haley walks in. She's got attitude. What the hell is he doing? He tells her, keep her voice down. Gideon didn't show up in Milwaukee. The team needs him. Don't worry about it. It's not going to affect my transfer. She starts to argue with him. But he feels loyal to the team and says they need him. And she said, no, they need Gideon. He tries to explain the case, telling her a little bit of the details. She needs him to stop. And also, she feels like he's trying to make her out to be the monster, to be the bad guy. She does feel bad for these women. But guess what? When this case is over, there's going to be another case. And then another one. And then another one. And it's never going to stop. Hotch says, well, this is who I am. And Haley says, no, this is what you do. Hotch is doing the best he can and would appreciate a little support. And she says he always needs to be the hero. A happy life just isn't enough for him, and she needs him to be there for his family. He says, I will be here just as soon as this case is over. She tells him as he's walking out of the room to make sure he kisses his son before he leaves. She looks distraught, and we cut to a break. This was not a good fight.
1: <laughs> this was, this was, this, oof bad news on this fight. And yes, Totally see her point of view. Yes, he could have explained it a little better. I I don't think they would have thought about something anyway. I I, I think, but he could have said, "Look, I am still employed by the FBI, and I need to keep my job. And until the transfer goes through, I'm still technically need to work. They have called me in. (laughs) Uh, You don't want me to get fired, so you know I got to do this case. And no." I won't, there won't be another case in another case because I'm getting transferred, but I have to do this one.
0: I will say we've seen, you know, the stress before in the past on Hodge's family life that his job has caused, but we've mostly seen Haley being very supportive. Like she understood she wasn't happy about it, but she understood. And I felt like maybe just the fact that Okay, he start started the transfer process. She's now saying, "Okay, that's it. We are done. Woohoo, it's over, baby." And that's why she's so mad now because she seemed to be a little bit more supportive before.
1: And I think that's part of the argument too.
0: Is that, you know,
1: he, Hotch is playing Hotch is playing victim like uh, you, please show me a little support, like, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> support, <laughs> who has been supportive, like, you know, I gave up my career, so that, I could, you know, there's a, there's a lot to unpack here, this is not a fight that started because of this, this is, a, this has clearly been going on mm-hmm. for quite some time, uh, so, I mean, it felt very real, it felt very, and I gotta say, It took me until maybe, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast yet, it took me until maybe last week or the week before, before I realized, Haley was on
0: Dawson's Creek? This is Andy from Dawson's Creek? Oh. Damn, I never realized that before. (laughs) Meredith Monroe was on Dawson's Creek? Yes, she was like Pacey's girlfriend at one point. I was like, damn, she done all grown up. I I uh, I haven't watched Dawson's Creek in a long time. I don't even remember it. But uh, oh, good good for her. Keeping keep working, Haley uh, or Meredith. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so next, what happens is we come back and we are at Prentice's apartment, and she gets a knock on the door to op- and she opens it to Hotch. He says the team needs them, and really, her resignation and his transfer actually haven't gone through yet. So this is a dereliction of their duty if they don't go. (laughs) Um,
1: (laughs) Again, the argument he should have used
0: in the previous scene. (laughs) (laughs) She says, no, she can't go. And she wants to know why he's really there. And he says, look, I told you. And also, I kind of figured out <laughs> that Strauss came to you, asked you for some dirt on me. She must have her eyes on top leadership in the FBI, and she wants to know who might have stood in her way. And Emily asks, Oh, yeah, well, uh, what am I supposed to have told her? And Hodge was like, Well, you could have said that one of my agents might have murdered a suspect in cold blood. <laughs> uh, another one might have had a serious drug problem, which was unreported. If Strauss had any evidence at all to any of this, His career would be over already, so he thinks that she must have uh, put Emily on the team and expected favors in return, and to Emily's credit, rather than turn on him, him, she has quit the job. That's what he thinks. Emily doesn't deny any of this. She just says she told him that she hates politics, and he says, I'll make you a deal. If your ready bag isn't already here and packed, I'm not going to ask you to go. Otherwise, just one more case. She says, well, I've already turned in my badge and gun. And Hotch says, well, that's just hardware. Okay, sure. Okay. I don't know if that's actually true. <laughs> but I assume it means her ready bag is there and packed.
1: <laughs> oh, heck yeah. There's, there's no way that Emily is not always at the ready. Yeah.
0: So we cut back to the Milwaukee Police Department. Uh, Metavoy's there looking at the map of the area. Yeah, I like saying Metavoy more than Walensky. I It's easier. <laughs> yes.
1: and it's more recognizable to uh, folks of a certain generation. Yes.
0: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he's looking at a map of the area and mentioning that he's increased the patrol and he's got every available unit re-canvassing. And Morgan says they'll, they're still a step behind. So Metavoy says it used to be a running jo- joke that if you told people you were from Milwaukee, all they wanted to talk about was happy days reruns. And then Dahmer happens, and then they ask you about it as if it was the same thing, as if it was entertainment. But he was in that apartment. Reed mentions Gideon says that there are things that can attach to you that you can never wash off. And that does sound like something Gideon would have said at the moment. So good on you, Reed, for (laughs) uh, using your mentor's words to try to help out here. Uh, Much like Gideon, they don't really help.
1: Uh, But instead of talking about, uh, you know, Happy Days and Dahmer and whether or not there's a problem with how crime has been turned into entertainment, ooh, irony, show, look at yourself, uh, (laughs) JJ's actually working on the case, isn't she?
0: (laughs) That's because JJ is always working on the case, AJ. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And she does ask if it's possible that they're looking at everything the wrong way. They're trying to zero in on the unsub, but if he's using his son... Wouldn't the trauma manifest more clearly on the boy? And everyone starts to look intrigued at this thought. And Strauss asks uh, if their analysts can list all of the children in the area, all the grade schools that they're working, that they're targeting. And uh, Morgan says Garcia can work that out, clickety-clack, just like that.
1: Yeah, and it's an, it's an interesting point there that Strauss, who is so anti-Hodgster in this team and everything, she has not even bothered... To learn Garcia's name, mm-hmm. your analyst. <laughs> yeah. Boo, Strauss.
0: And that doesn't seem to be too accurate to me because we know she's been keeping an eye heavily on this team, looking for any cracks and crevices and problems. So I think she should have known Garcia's name. Well, I,
1: part part of it is the way the show has. <laughs> Garcia is not the BAU's exclusive analyst when the show starts and she's kind of even when you know the team is not there she's working with other cases and other units i mean you know by the time we're now at season three we're kind of narrowing it down and this is like no garcia's just gonna work with, (laughs) right you know come on (laughs) it's a full-time job so uh, i think it's just more using strauss to say your analyst to kind of say oh yes she only works for the bau now but yeah, also, I think it's nice to do that. Strauss is, doesn't care. Yes. <laughs> She's just a pawn. Exactly.
0: Uh, she puts the phone on speaker mode and dials up Garcia, who answers the phone with her typical panache, saying, talk dirty to me. And after a beat, Strauss says, uh, this is Chief Deputy Strauss, Aaron Strauss. And Garcia appears to be mortified. She starts explaining she was expecting it to be someone else. Uh, Strauss ignores that completely and says, look, she needs a list of every grade school in the third ward and Wauwatosa. So Garcia does her kickety clacking and gets the numbers that Strauss requests. Then she asks her to get a guidance counselor list as well. And Garcia is getting that and then trying to apologize again for how she answered the phone. But Strauss has already hung up on her.
1: <laughs> I mean, part of it is. Actually, you know, I, I, you know, she didn't care. Like it's she, just bygones, kind yeah. of. Thing. Like whatever. I, I, I don't care. I, you're just the analyst. Just, whatever. She's not listening. She's so singularly focused. Uh, and again, is this something that they
0: really needed Garcia to do? No. But is it a fun scene? Sure. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Strauss tells the team what they're gonna do. They're gonna give the counselors a profile of the troubled boy. And she leaves and Morgan gives a little sigh like, like, this is what we're going to have to deal with. (laughs) Morgan is not happy with the agent or director Strauss, I should say.
1: No, but you know what will make him feel better, Kenton?
0: Montage! Yes. (laughs) Let's have a montage! So we cut to the team. They're all talking to various counselors. They're saying that the boy they're looking for, it's possibly from a single parent home. He's probably sullen and withdrawn. He may have been caught stealing things from his female teachers. He's more likely clinging to maternal figures inappropriately, like perhaps hugging female bus drivers or the lunchroom lady. His classmates notice his odd behavior and they tease him, and that makes him incredibly angry. We see a woman uh, I'm assuming it's one of the counselors handing JJ a huge stack of folders, and she confirms, yes, there are that many of the students that you describe. <laughs> this is not helping. No. <laughs> they got a lot of folders to look through. Apparently, none of the people they talked to realized that in criminal minds, you only give the BAU two to three names maximum. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And make sure that one of them is really outlandish so that it becomes memorable (laughs) (laughs) so we can focus on that one. Oh, uh, (laughs) Normally, our list of names is Dartivius Bertolomew, (laughs) Steve Johnson, and Bill Jackson.
0: So next week, cut to our uh, unsubs kid. He's walking out of a school, and his unsub father is there to pick him up. (laughs) Um, I don't have names for them yet. At this point, so that's why I'm... i have
1: Well, I've, been, I've just been calling him Eddie Cibrian the whole time because he's played by Eddie Cibrian, and I know Eddie Cibrian, so it's, it's Eddie as far oh. as I'm concerned. Oh, we've got to hear that
0: story uh, at some point. Well, I don't mean
1: personally. I just have seen him oh, a lot okay. of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was like, oh, you know Eddie? He's a star. No, he's a star bigger than this yes. is all I'm saying. Yes, indeed.
0: He seems to be sad. The boy, he says that school was okay. Uh, he does ask if the lady is still at home and if she's going to leave. He doesn't want this one to leave he likes her our unsub starts to say they all leave it's grown-up stuff you know and the boy says yeah i think they all leave maybe because of you (laughs) and uh that gets our eddie sibrion angry and he slaps the boy bad eddie sibrion he says he's not gonna always be around and they all leave all of them they leave they leave they leave he says look it's all right i'm just trying to teach you something I think it's not how to be a good father, but what do I know? Uh,
1: (laughs) I will say there there was a really nice subtle piece of direction here. And we're we're going to learn at some point in the next few scenes that, of course, they have have the profile all wrong. And they're not looking for the kid who's uh, reacting and over, you know, angry and all that. But rather a kid who follows the rules and is kind of more subdued and withdrawn. And it's really nice here that as the kid is leaving the school and heading to the van, every single kid in this shot is running around and screaming, "Ah, and he's just slowly walking to the van, Mm -hmm. following the rules. It's a really nice, subtle subtle piece of directing there, especially because we're dealing with kids. It's probably really hard to direct a gaggle of kids to get them to all act in a certain way. Uh, So I I like when Criminal Minds does stuff like that, where it's like, We already know that they're wrong, but the director is showing you how wrong they really are.
0: Definitely. We next are back at the police station, and the team is working through all the files. Morgan seems to be taking charge. He says, look, we don't think that this boy is any older than seven, so we're going to work from the youngest to the oldest, and we're going to find the baddest behaving ones, and we're going to send the names of the parents to Garcia, and she's going to cross-check them for criminal records, they have about a 12 hour time window before the time that the next body would be dumped. And then all of a sudden, Reed says, Hey, look who's here. And Prentice and Hutch walk into the room, and everyone is so happy to see them, so relieved. Yay, we're going to brief you guys, get you up to speed. Everything is happy now. And dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Strauss walks in. She kills the good mood immediately. Emily says, Look, we're only here to help. And to her credit, Strauss does say, Okay, we'll deal with this later so that the team can just get to work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like she's not she's not super evil to the point of oh, I, I don't wanna help find this woman. Like, right. <laughs> like she gets it. Like we're on a case, all right, uh-uh. I could scream and yell, but we have 12 hours. (laughs) Tick tock, tick tock. That ticking clock, which was 48, is now 12.
0: And so we cut to a while later, and AJ, that clock is down to one hour uh, when we come back. And I will say,
1: at this point, if it's one hour, is it really one hour? (laughs) Yeah. It's one hour to dumping. I mean, she's probably already dead at this point. Mm Doesn't mean you stop looking. Doesn't mean that this is not fruitful because there will be more victims.
0: Yeah, he doesn't. He yeah. doesn't stab them there and take out their heart there and then dump the body. You are completely correct. It's
1: probably already too late. However, uh, yes, it's a ticking clock for this victim. But we, we don't hold when we do our barometer. We're not going to ever hold them to the. They have to save everybody. Right. <laughs> so, sometimes, you know, like I called it. There just there's no way. <laughs>
0: And Reed is thinking that right now, that there's no way they're going to find out anything. Uh, There's too many cases that they have to go through. Morgan does say, keep looking. We still have an hour. Hotch thanks JJ for giving Garcia the file to give to him. And JJ doesn't know what he's talking about. She didn't even see Garcia before she left. It
1: was a weird line, Reed. I don't know what they were going for here. I I mean, we'll, we'll find out that JJ did not, in fact give it to Garcia at all but at the same time it comes off here as if like is she lying too hot is she like I don't know what you're talking about (laughs) it's just it's unclear I think they could have used a different take yeah
0: (laughs) so we next cut back to the unsub's house and Claire is there she's crying she comes into the kitchen where the unsub boy is picking morosely at his bowl of breakfast cereal and uh, Daddy Unsub follows her in and gives her the evil eye to let her know that she better be good. So she asks the boy if he slept well. He says yes, and she asks if she can have some cereal. He's like, sure. By the way, he's going to kill you, you know? <laughs> uh, she doesn't seem to be great... too happy to hear this. <laughs> it was a great
1: head-to-commercial line. It's like, this kid who, like, you know, the father thinks is oh so... Uh, you know, we have to protect them, like, go, invite yourself home because we don't want the boy to know, like, this boy knows what the score is. The father just smacked him in the car and has already, been, like, accused him of, like, maybe they leave because of you because you killed them, dumbass. Yeah. Like, he knows everything. But it's still, it's creepy to hear the kid, he's going to kill you, you
0: know. <laughs> yes. Ay, ay, ay So, after a break, we come back and time has run out for poor Claire. Because our team is at a new crime scene. For some reason, Strauss doesn't handle this one as well as she handled the first one. And uh, she starts to slip after she's stepping down. The body is behind is in a little embankment or something. And she starts to slip. And uh, Hotch is there to catch her. He tells her to, you know, take it easy. Uh, She's starting to freak out a little bit because she stepped on Claire's hair. Apparently that's what caused her to trip. I don't really didn't really get it. Well, no, I, I actually do think this makes sense entirely.
1: When she was on the jet, when the pictures of the, the original crime photos were there, she didn't even really look at them because the blood was bothering her. You could tell she didn't really want to look at the pictures. Uh, and when they arrived, by the time they arrived at the first scene, uh, the body had already been treated. They'd already done all, all the the prep work. It was not a fresh body at that point. And so there was still distance. And she still stuck to the back. There was still distance. Now, with Hotch there, she's trying to get to the body to show leadership over Hodge so she's posturing for power there which is why she and she gets way too close to a body that she was she's never been exposed to this before so just the fact that she stepped on her hair like freaked her out that it makes a total sense that like you know as much as we're demonizing Strauss I think this really shows like she is very human and she's just like she needs to just Walk away, and Hotch does a phenomenal job with with this next line of dialogue.
0: Uh, yeah, he basically tells her, "Don't let the onlookers see you break down." I don't know if that was the line you you. What she He says, "This. This is what it is." Yeah, like, this is what we did. This is what, what it, it is. is. If you need
1: a moment, take a moment. Just don't let the public see you break down. But if you need a moment, take a moment. This is what the job is. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like Strauss, you you thought you knew. This is the job. Like, yeah. Uh, I make decisions and things happen and this is what it is. And I honestly think this came from a place where Strauss didn't know. Mm -hmm. She just made assumptions. And so this does a really nice job of stripping away a lot of the evil without making it seem like, you know, she's just, you know, she's the mustache twirler. She's like, oh, she really didn't know. (laughs) Yeah. And now she does. And how she reacts to this will be how we feel for, you know, how much evil we feel headed her way going forward.
0: Right. Uh, So they figure out that this site is a different site than all the other sites. So Reed says this guy is getting smart. He knows where their uh, manpower is going to be located. So he's changing locations. Then we see a man yelling for Claire uh, several yards away, approaching the scene. Clearly, it's her husband, distraught. And Morgan says, oh, they've got to keep him out of there. So he runs toward the man. Uh, Meanwhile, Reed is looking at the body and Hotch comes up to him saying that he's hurt. He's worried about Gideon. And Reed says he keeps calling, but he's not getting any calls back. And so Hotch says he's probably at his cabin. That's where he goes when he, pause, needs to get away. Hotch needs Reed's head to be in this. He's just trying to make sure of that. And Reed says, yeah, he knows. So I think Reed's good here. He doesn't seem to be overly.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think. But again, it's, it's a case where Hotch hasn't been around for two weeks. Gideon hasn't been around for two weeks. Hodge has no idea how his team is reacting because he hasn't been there. He's like, yeah. Yeah, we, and we know Reed, as Hodge reminded us when talking to Emily uh, could turn to drugs if he's not, uh, <laughs> you know, right. So like, I like, and, and Strauss is like watching. It's like Reed, you cool? <laughs> if you're on drugs, Strauss gonna find out. And now I am toast. Like, there's a lot going on here. It's 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 very subtle and it's it's quiet, but it this'll. It's amazing. This is season three, and we know so much backstory that these these characters are really starting to jump out ahead of the, of whatever the crime is, Is kind of doesn't matter. Right. And that's why the show, I think, works so well. This is, it, it, at its core, it's about these characters, and this, that's just a perfect example.
0: We next cut back to the police station, and Hotch is asking Metavoy what is around the dump site. There's an old printing press there, there's a paving yard, and then there's a concrete factory, and that's where they actually found the body. None of those sites were visible from the highway. And Prentice says, yeah, that means you don't get there by accident. So Hotch says, "Okay, well, we're going to go back to the schools. We're going to eliminate the third ward. Uh, We're going to target the problem kids whose fathers who have had blue collar jobs in the last 10 years. But Reed has a different idea, even though it's not from the textbook profile. He should still say it. So he does. What what if this is not a problem kid? And then he points out his logic If a single parent is unstable, sometimes that kid is going to do anything and everything he can to be the perfect child. They're never late for school, and this dumps are timed perfectly so that this kid won't be late for school. Reed says, what if it's not the parent who cares about that? What if the kid is caring about that?
1: And what I love about this is that, of course, Reed is going to be the one who's going to come up with this opposite theory because he's describing his own family growing up like one parent is unstable hmm have we met mrs reed yes we have (laughs) is she unstable yes she is is the other parent out of the picture that's That's what they've told us so of course reed's gonna realize that yeah maybe this kid's more like me (laughs) than some problem child
0: right so hotch goes to call garcia who answers the phone in the most professional way (laughs) i think we have heard her answer the phone Date. it's delightful. Delightful <laughs>
1: again. The character work in this episode is Chef's Kiss. It's just like, yes, but special, ed- special, ed- special ed- because yeah, I it- but because I help you with your assistance with your prairie. <laughs> yes.
0: Uh, so hot says, Look, he needs a list of parents from the Wawa school district. Uh, he wants her to eliminate any two parent households and uh, also eliminate any fathers that are holding white collar jobs that aren't labor management. After a pause, he tells her, "Also, she can stop now with the glitches and their resignations and the transfers." Garcia is obviously busted, so all she says is, "Yes, sir." And Hot says, "And Garcia, thank you." And she smiles.
1: I think it's a really cool way he he says that too, because he's just he's not telling her to stop the glitches and let them go through. Right. That thank you is saying. Uh, going forward, if I ask you to send something, you are going to send something. However, that stuff that you did, uh, you don't have to you know, so like resubmit it or anything.
0: <laughs> right. We next cut to JJ and Reed, and they're out of school. They're giving a counselor there an updated profile of the kid perhaps being a model student, not just getting good grades and straight A's, but he goes out of his way to please in a way that the other teachers have probably talked about. Inventing extra credit projects, skipping recess to help clean the classroom, stuff like this. And the counselor immediately says, oh, David Smith. Barcavius (laughs) McTeel. Yes. Oh, no. David Smith. The most boring name possible. I love it. (laughs) And uh, so they ask about David's father. And she goes on. Oh, that's such a sad story with the father. The teachers all talk about it. He was apparently diagnosed with an inoperable tumor about six months ago. And then his wife left the two of them, the father and son. We cut to David with another woman. They are at his house. He's thanking her for dropping him off. She says, well, she can't just leave him here. She has to make sure his dad is at home. He says he knows and unlocks the door. And she goes into the house.
1: And you hear David lock the door. And you hear the door locking. It's just just such a, I know. (laughs) such a creepy,
0: I know. (laughs) And despite him being, quote unquote, the perfect kid, he's still being the perfect kid here. But it's twisted because now he's being a perfect kid by supplying his father murder victims. He clearly knows what's happening to these women and he's still doing the job of supplying them.
1: He's messed up. Like, and you, you understand, like, you get it. He's just trying to help his dad out. Like, it totally makes sense. But it's 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 evil, even though he seems like a really nice kid and. Yeah, given his druthers, he probably wouldn't. But yeah, it it it's it's tough. I just love the fact that uh, the they JJ and Reed and and Morgan who had gone to all these guidance counselors like just a day ago, saying what we're looking for is we're looking for this right. troubled kid, and he's probably going to do this 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 and this. And the very next day, they're going back to these same schools. Apparently, <laughs> I know he said eliminate the third ward, which gives him sign of plausible. But you you can't eliminate the third ward if you're looking for a different type of kid. So when they go back to all these guides councils the very next day, what we're looking for is a complete, forget what we said yesterday, what we're looking for. <laughs> and none of these guys are like,
0: uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's what you're looking for. And also interesting And in what does it say that they got a, a billion files of bad kids, but then she's um, immediately produces the one good kid. Oh, good kid, <laughs> yeah, David been. Smith, absolutely, <laughs> yeah.
1: totally. I know, I know David Smith. He's the only good kid we know. Uh, yeah, it, it's interesting there. On the flip side, it, again, nice job of the fact that because Metavoy has been with them this whole process, when the profile does switch and turn to the opposite he's in on the discussion so he doesn't question like what you guys said you know cause most episodes like wait a second you're just trying to cover your ass you said it was a
0: yesterday today you said b
1: like we, we're not getting that like we did last week so uh, I, I like this episode the way the way it's, it's written
0: let's cut back to the counselor and she's saying she can't imagine david's father being someone that they could be looking for he's very involved he drops david off picks him up every day And Reed asks what kind of car he drives, and she says, a van, maybe? She can't remember, but she does remember it's something big. He makes handcrafted furniture. She knows he makes deliveries, and we know he fits profiles. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Absolutely. They have now arrived at David's classroom, but the teacher there says uh, they just missed him. He wasn't feeling well, so the nurse drove him home to help out David's father. Reed and JJ look at each other like, "Uh uh-oh. And then we cut back over to the Smith home.
1: Yeah, I will say that a nice job there also of explaining in the previous scene that all every, all the teachers know about the father's situation so that when you hear, oh, and the nurse decided just to take the kid home, like, yeah, well, it makes sense because they know the situation that the father you know, calls. They call the father and say, hey, you know, uh, your kid's sick. He's going to just say, well, I'm working. I'll meet you at, at the house or something. Can you take him home? And they would do it for him. Like, it makes sense for everything is fitting
0: neatly no loopholes i like it david is uh, inside the house he's watching a mighty mouse cartoon and we see at this point the team has gathered outside hodgson's uh, a few folks to the back to keep an eye on on the possible exits uh, then he goes back into the street and he uh, confirms that they can see david david in the living room but they have no sign right now of the dad and the nurse and we cut to the basement where the dad is tying the nurse up to the column, and she's screaming, and he's telling her to go ahead and scream. She says, hey, the school knows I'm here, and he says, yeah, and you dropped the boy off. I thanked you, and then you left, and then they'll find your car in the parking lot of the mall. Uh, She says, I was just trying to help your son, and he gags her. Outside, uh, Metavoy is asking what the plan is, and Strauss is like, we're going to call in SWAT. We're going to secure the perimeter. and We're going to wait for him to come out. And Morgan is like, yo, uh, he's holding a woman inside. And Strauss says, well, they don't know that for sure. And they don't have probable cause. Hotch actually says, yeah, she's right. We don't have probable cause. And Strauss says, if he's got her anyway, he's going to wait another 48 hours. He's got to wait another 48 hours. <laughs> he's not going to kill her yet. And Morgan points out, uh, yo. <laughs> Um, he's changed his behavior, he's changed where he dumps them, he's changed how he gets them. Do we really want to take a risk with that, that he's just going to stick to the pattern?
1: Yeah, in other words, uh, again, Strauss, you really don't understand how this job works, right? Like, Just because he's had a pattern before doesn't mean he's not going to
0: change the pattern.
1: Right. Plus, all it takes is one glance out the window and you happen to catch us out here and all bets are off. So, like, come on, lady.
0: <laughs> yes, uh, Voice suggests maybe they should just pound on the door, Maybe he'll just panic and Hot says, Well, yeah, but that could spook him enough to kill her early. So Prentice actually comes up with an idea. She says, Let her go alone. The boy is just sitting there in the family room alone. Maybe he'll answer the door, let her in. Strauss says, No. And Prentice says, Well, look, we need to find a way to get invited into the house. This boy is, we know he's looking for female authority figures. Uh, if he lets her in, she can look around and she can send a signal as soon as, as soon as she sees anything that can give them cause, probable cause. Strauss is like, well, technically, you're not even in the FBI. And Hodge is like, ooh, all the better. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah. Strauss says, look, you're interfering with the federal investigation. And Prentice says, if I'm not FBI, you have no authority over me. I'm just a civilian just knocking on a door. So... Morgan hands her his gun and uh Hotch gives her a walkie-talkie. I'm like, "Oh yeah, a civilian walking."
1: <laughs> yeah. I was like, "I'm just a civilian who flew here with a suspended bureau." They're <laughs> Like, "Come on, man."
0: <laughs> yeah, so they let her go and she walks off towards the house and Hotch tells uh, Strauss tells Strauss that nobody knows better than him that they're going to need to make this legal. So, uh, Hotch knows what's going on. He still say that, at least.
1: And, and basically, again, this is more of the sometimes we have to be confronted with situations where we can't go by the book and we will try very much to stay within the lines, but we might have to walk right up to that line. Ms. Strauss, do you understand what I'm saying here? Mm-hmm. It may not be the outcome that we expect <laughs> that
0: we would have liked. <laughs> so next, we cut inside the house. Emily is knocking on the door. David answers it, and she says, Hi, you must be David. Your dad asked me to come by.
1: And I just want to say it's a very nice touch that as she knocks on the door on the Mighty Mouse cartoon, here I come to save the day. Yes,
0: (laughs) yes, nice point. She says, your dad asked me to come by. you mind if I come in? Uh, David is basically like, I guess. So uh, you future murder victim you? And he lets her in. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And then he locks the door, and... He tells her his dad says it's unsafe to leave this door unlocked. And Emily's like, "Mm mm-hmm, smart man, Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm. The team then surrounds the house. Morgan says Prentice is in. And they're just now waiting for her to give them the go-ahead. Emily looks around. She asks David where his dad is. And he points to a door and says, yeah, he's working. And Prentice is like, oh, well, I'm just going to go and check on him, see if he's too busy, okay? Okay. Can you be real quiet? Can you be really quiet? (laughs) Um, And he says yes. So Prentice slowly opens the door. She goes down the steps. She has her gun drawn. She sees the tied up nurse in front of her. But also our unsub is waiting. And he swings a big wooden plank at her. Hits her in the head. She goes down. The dad runs over and he's like, who is this? And David says, she said she was your friend. The dad takes Prentice's gun. And this guy has some freaking nerve (laughs) because he's not going to hold it on Prentice and do any dirty work himself. No, he decides to give the gun to his seven or eight year old son, David, and have him. Basically, he's going to have him shoot her. David is confused, but he starts to point the gun and starts to do what his dad says. But at this point, Prentice has managed to sort of wriggle around and hit the button on her walkie talkie. So thankfully, the rest of the team rushes the house. They very quickly get to that little basement area. Unfortunately, it's Hatch who's
1: doing the kicking of the doors. But, I, you know, not Morgan. But I'm sure Morgan was like, happy to have you back. Go ahead, you do the kicking." Yes.
0: <laughs> I'll give you this one, Hatch. Uh, yes. They uh, immediately come in. The dad knows that the gig is up. The boy let's, looks confused. They're telling the boy to drop the weapon. But at least... Finally, the dad here does the right thing, tells them to do what they say. I'm a little surprised. He, he just wasn't like, don't, hell no, shoot him. Go for it, David. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> but he finally does say, you know, do what they say. So David does give Hotch the gun and, and then Morgan goes to grab the dad, gets him arrested. Hotch picks up David. And carries him just like a father
1: who knows how to carry his son. So it's a very mm-hmm. nice touch there that he gets to carry the little boy to safety.
0: Oh. Uh, They free the nurse. Emily is okay. Uh, Metavoy says to the dad, you're dying and this is what you want to leave your son. We cut to a little bit later. It's outside. An ambulance is there. Paramedic is there cleaning off the wound on Prentice's head. Hotch comes over to see how she's doing. She says she'll live. She asks if it's weird that she's glad to be back. And Hotch says he'll make sure that it stays official. Metavoy is taking the dad outside of the house. And the dad says, well, he'll be dead before he ever stands trial. And Metavoy says, good. (laughs) Uh, We see David sitting in the back of a cop car. And then the dad looks around and he says, you know what? I never even told the boy to bring me this last one. Oozing with
1: evil pride, Mr. Smith goes to jail.
0: (laughs) Mm, 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 mm. Bad Eddie Sibion. So Strauss comes over to Hotch to check on Emily. He tells her she's, she's going to be fine. Strauss says that she can't officially approve of how everything transpired here. Hotch says he knows. But guess what? It would be a great mistake to break up this team. She says, none of you will never, ever move up the chain of command. You know that, right? And Hotch asks why he would ever want to leave the BAU. He starts to walk away. And uh, Morgan apparently was eavesdropping and heard this last bit of the conversation. So he asks Hotch if he means that, if he isn't going to leave them. And Hotch says, well, he doesn't know. He's got to talk to Haley. And he walks away as the music starts. Yes. Before we get to our montage
1: to close yes. out the episode here, because you always need a montage. I, I do think, again, is uh, the point is that Strauss now understands what it's like to be on these missions and understands Hotch's job a little more. And while she can't officially approve it does seem that okay your unit I know a little bit too much about the dirty laundry to uh, ever promote you any more than we are but I get it and I'll back off I mean, you get the sense that like okay we've avoided a major incident here and yes she'll be watching but she's not watching
0: (laughs) so yes it's time for another montage AJ the music starts playing We cut back to Garcia, who did mention she got a new office earlier. I didn't bring that up, but she's in her fancy new office with her fancy new map that has little electronic marker lights. And she turns off the light on the little marker that's over Wisconsin. Then we see Emily arriving home at her apartment what an apartment she has. Wow.
1: I mean, I thought, I thought what an apartment when we saw it the first mm-hmm. time. And then I'm thinking, all right, well, she, you know, she's the ambassador's kid. So I get it. Maybe, you know, that's where some of the, the money comes from. But wow, that view of D.C. just seeing all of the, the monuments and everything from her window. Mm-hmm. Like, damn.
0: Yeah. You could see the Lincoln <laughs> Monument, the Washington Monument, the Capitol Building. And it's all beautifully lit. I'm like, I would be staring out, out that window pensively, too. Emily. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so then we see Hotch arriving at home. But AJ, it seems like maybe Haley and Jack were not there. I'm like Empty uh-oh. home. Uh oh. Empty home.
1: Yeah, Hotch chose the BAU and Haley chose her and Jack. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: I feel bad for that. Which makes which makes it yo, oh, it makes it even more tragic that he just had the boy in his arms and took him to safety and now he wants to come home and take his own boy and the boy's not there oh oh, oh as a father of a son i am crying
0: yeah we cut to aaron strauss's office she sits down looking very weary she puts her hands over her, up to her uh, head, like she's got Excedrin headache number 39. <laughs> she is uh, not feeling great. And
1: I love it. I love it. Like, I'm totally humanizing her. Like, she's not the monster we thought at the beginning of, of the season. Like, it's like, okay. She, she gets a little bit of it mm-hmm. now.
0: <laughs> so, I, I love it. We next cut to Gideon's Cabin. The music stops. And this is when the tension started raising up for me, AJ. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, no, here we go. Reed pulls up outside of the cabin, driving what I, it looked like a, a vintage Volvo. I mean, that car looked like it was from the 60s. It was it was an older car, but OK. Um, <laughs> Reed drives what he drives. Anyway, the tension is building. The music is stopped. Reed goes to the door and he knocks on it. He calls out for Gideon. He looks around. We hear crickets chirping. Reed pushes on the door a little bit, and it opens right away. It's not locked. It's pitch black inside, no lights on. Reed pulls out a flashlight. He's looking around. The cabin looks bare. Reed turns on a lamp, and then on the table, he sees a gun. But he also sees a badge and an envelope. And I guess my question is answered, and I guess my answer was wrong, because the envelope has Spencer written on the front of it. So Gideon was writing his letter to Spencer Reed.
1: At any point, I ask you, having seen, watching this for the first time here, at any point, did you think we were seeing a
0: body? I was worried we were going to see a body the whole way through. (laughs) I thought, maybe they're going to do it.
1: I I mean, it was really nicely led up to, I will say. It's like, okay, and there's the new... You still don't know what's up with him, but at least, okay, no (sighs) body. (sighs) Ah... And he left the gun, so... Uh,
0: Yes. I still feel a little bit tense, but yeah, you're you're right. The gun and the badge are there, and it seems... uh, Once I saw the badge, I was like, okay, he's just quitting. He's not doing the worst here. So uh, Spencer opens the envelope, and we hear Gideon's voice reading the letter. Spencer, I knew it would be you who came to the cabin to check on me. I start to worry because I know we've heard this letter and it's going to take about an hour long. We don't have that much (laughs) show left. No, we don't. We do cut to a diner. It's light outside already and Gideon is here at this diner. He's going to pay his bill. The waitress, wearing a name tag that says Rose on it, starts chatting with him. She asks him if he's traveling. He says, yeah. She asks where he's headed. He smiles and says nowhere in particular. And she asks, how will he really know then when he gets there? And he says, that's a good question, Rose. That's a very good question. He tells her to have a great day. She says, you too. And he leaves. He gets in his car. His voiceover comes back, reading the letter. He says, I guess I'm just looking for it again. For the belief I had back in college when I first met Sarah. And it all seemed all right. The belief in happy endings. And he drives off. And I'm thinking, no more Patinkin.
1: And it's not a spoiler to say you are absolutely right. That is the end of Mandy Patinkin, uh, his tenure. Uh, In fact, the only reason it pushed into this season is because they rearranged the episodes. that, that, That he was always going to, they were going to end on the cliffhanger with the note. And they're always going to have this be the first... This was supposed to be the first episode of the season. And he he had shot that scene before he left so they could put it as a little button on this. So, uh, yeah, Mandy Patinkin didn't want to be on the show anymore. He thought that the uh, the types of cases, just were too bloody, too misogynistic. That just, he, he felt uncomfortable uh, being Gideon. So a lot of that letter is actually really Mandy Patinkin saying... You know, when I took this job, Mm -hmm. I thought this was going to be fun. And like now, after all I've seen in these cases and the storylines, I just really don't want to be a part of this anymore. And I don't know what what show I'm going to take next, but I know I don't want to be on this show anymore. And I love the people that I met here, but I got to go. And so it was very real life kind of infiltrating this kind of episode.
0: But it's not like he moved to a situation comedy, AJ. He moved to a show about terrorism and and, and and many bad things happened on that show. <laughs> Granted,
1: um, right?
0: <laughs> I, I just think I,
1: I mean, well, he did the Homeland, sure, absolutely. You're talking Homeland, I, I understand that. I just think it was just more of just the types of cases mm-hmm. and the, the, the you know the the dialogue and the storylines that he had to deal with. Um, you know, be, you know, kind of always identifying with the, the unsub in a way. I just think I just think he just didn't want to do it anymore. You know.
0: Well, that's his his prerogative. Good for him. Uh, do what you n- need to do for yourself, buddy. And yeah. uh, I held no ill will for him. And I'm glad Gideon didn't off himself. Yeah, well, exactly. Exactly. Uh,
1: so that's our episode. That is uh, that is the uh, fun. It, it, good. We liked it. I liked it. Uh, yeah, you liked it? It was great. It was great.
0: I uh, Like you said, it's all about the characters. And now that we've invested so much time in them. Even though it's been through some ups and downs in terms of quality of, uh, of the particular episode, what we have been doing this whole time is is learning who these people are. So that makes it exciting.
1: Yeah. And we've got to say goodbye to somebody, you know, mm-hmm. just like just like everybody else who's like, well, where, where's getting? So, you know, there'll be a coping mechanism going on there as well. So mm-hmm.
0: yeah. So uh, how about our barometer, AJ? Do we consider the team having won the case this week?
1: Oh, I would say, we, uh, despite the fact that we are, are Gideon-less and we've lost him, I think, uh, overall, I think, the yeah, we proved to Strauss that this unit needs to stay together. They shorthanded and stopped the crime within reason. Sure, we didn't we didn't save Claire's life, but uh, I, I thought they did a good job. This is a W, and I think even Strauss would recognize that this was a W. Mm-hmm.
0: Excellent. Perfect. So uh, also what we like to do every week is have a little quiz. It's a little thing I like to call three questions, although, you know, AJ may change that at some point, but I'm calling it that for now. And uh, it's a little quiz inspired by the episode that we just watched. So why don't you take it away, sir? Sure. Question
1: one. Let's talk about our unsub, Mr. Smith. Mm -mm. (laughs) Uh, Joe, according to IMDb, but I don't think we ever actually learned his first name in the episode. Uh, Just just an ordinary Mr. Smith. Uh, So in real life, uh, Eddie Cibrian is the one who left his marriage. Uh, Unlike the unsub here where the wife uh, went away, Eddie left. Uh, He started an affair with a country music singer who he met on the set of the movie Northern Lights. Who is the current Mrs.
0: Eddie? Eddie Cibrian. I actually know this one, AJ, because it was a scandal at the time, and I uh, do remember the fact that Eddie Cibrian. Well, I don't know if she, they're still married, but I remember at the time he had an affair and uh, he left his wife for Leanne Rhimes, the champion of Masked Singer, <laughs> <laughs> season
1: five, <maybe? laughs> uh, She definitely she won the Masked Singer. Yes, Leanne Rhimes, no longer blue. <laughs> after beating Mr. Eddie Cibrian. Indeed. Well done. One for one. Question number two. Let's take a look at little David Smith, a child star for this episode. This was actually the first ever role for Chandler Canterbury, the young man who played David Smith. And uh, he won awards for some some young acting awards. Like he was actually, you know, not there's no Emmy for young actors anymore, but uh, there's some organizations that kind of give out quote-unquote emmys for young actors and he won for this so he was very well uh received this performance and it led to chandler being cast alongside Nicolas cage in what film where chandler ended up being one of only two people to survive the total destruction of earth
0: <laughs> oh god i feel like Nicolas cage has probably been in like eight or ten movies where there is the Total Destruction of Earth. I know I'm exaggerating, but... uh, No, no, I think that's fair. (laughs) And I certainly... He's been in so many movies at this point, I don't know all of them, the titles, because his career has moved beyond just appearing in the only the big budget films. He's appeared in a lot of movies now. I don't even remember if Nicolas Cage was in this one, but I'm going to say 2012. Uh, is a fine guess.
1: Uh I believe he was. Uh or At least one of those <laughs> yeah, <I don't> know. <laughs> types of films, yeah. Uh No, not that one. This is a film that I really wanted to like. I was so excited about this film when I first heard about it, because my favorite film of all time is Donnie Darko, and Richard Kelly's next project that he was tied to was this film. Uh And then... <laughs> They took them off the project, the script got rewritten, and instead of being a really cool film where there's a time capsule that gets opened up, and all that's in the time capsule are pictures drawn by children. And the pictures depict every major disaster that has happened to Earth. Like 9-11 and the Kennedy assassination, and the, like and there's one picture left that hasn't taken place. That was the original premise. And I thought mm. very cool. Mm. Unfortunately, by the time it got to Nick Cage, uh, it was a list of numbers that referred to GPS coordinates and uh, dates and number of people who died, and the last thing on the thing was the letters E-E, and uh, by the time the film's over, you learn that e stands for everybody else, <laughs> because the world going to blow up. And then there's (laughs) Angels. Oh, this is an awful movie. Uh, But it's called Knowing. And I thought you might be knowing that, but you did not.
0: I have. I'll show it to you in a minute. I have very few DVDs left. (laughs) I've I've got a DVD collection. I still have an unopened, unstill-wrapped version of the movie Knowing. I have never opened it and watched the movie. (laughs) Uh, Uh, And you never should. (laughs) Uh, This is
1: awful like halfway through this film it turns into uh the the left behind type story and it's no no Mm. angels no aliens oh no no no
0: (laughs) nick cage why hast thou forsaken us
1: I mean, Cage is okay with it, but in the film, it's not a bad role for him, but this... Oh, but, and Chandler's really, really good in it. Uh, uh, the kid stopped... He, I looked him up. He, he's kind of stopped acting at the age of 15, which is a shame. Mm-hmm. But, you know, hopefully he's living a normal life and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, one for two? All right. We're we coming to question three, which is my favorite question of every week. It is the preview of next week's episode. So, and, and, I know if you've been a, a loyal listener, you know the last two weeks i have been very cruel. Uh, we're going, no, no. One correct answer, three wrong answers. That was just a gimmick for the end of the season. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Katad, what is the plot of our next episode going to be? That will be Criminal Minds Season Three, Episode Three, entitled "Scared to Death." Mm-hmm. Scared to death. Is it A? A Portland psychiatrist's patients perish in plentiful enough numbers to get the BAU's attention. Is it B? Many a Michigan man is missing, and a morbid menace wielding a machete may be to blame. (laughs) Is it C? Strauss suddenly finds herself very much in need of the BAU's services, after she gets taken hostage at a savings and loan. Or is it D? Waking nightmares plague Reed as he tries to cope with Gideon's departure, and he begins to wonder if he'll ever sleep again.
0: Hmm. I... Don't know, AJ. I can't think that the producers would be kind enough to give me a Strauss in Peril episode this soon <laughs> <laughs> into her, her stay. So I'm going to avoid that answer. And I always love your alliterative uh, <laughs> choices. So the first one was in Portland. The second one was in Michigan. Was it? Mm hmm. Let's say we're going to go to Michigan. That's the choice. Choice two. I don't remember what the. <laughs> I just remember being enjoyed, just thrilled with your alliteration, but I don't. Remember. Yeah, well, it, w- it was a morbid menace wielding a machete. Yes. We're gonna- uh,
1: yes. Well. Uh, yeah. No, we're not. We're not putting Strauss in peril just just yet. Reed. Uh, I'm not going to say Reed sleeps just fine, but we're not dealing with any waking nightmares. He is going to cope. They're all going to cope with Gideon's departure. Right. I mean, obviously, you can't you can't sugarcoat that one. The story's got to continue. Uh, no, we are headed to Portland where oh. psychiatrists' <laughs> patients are perishing in plentiful numbers. Uh, I will i will leave it a mystery as to whether or not we're talking Portland, Maine or Portland, Oregon. Until next week, I'll let that be a surprise for you. Okay. But uh, there you go.
0: Man, I'm good at getting it down to the 50-50, but I just... Oh, well. That was fun. Well... Folks. Hey, <laughs> I think that's it, AJ. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you had a great time. That's the show. Please be sure to subscribe to rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to spread the word and let your friends know about us. You can also write to us at felonious pundits at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at podcast underscore pundits for AJ mass. This is Ken friends saying goodbye and keep profiling wheels up. Pardon me, my
1: lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Judges chapter 6 verse 13.